Welcome to this edition of the Alabama Historical Association's podcast program. I'm your host, Marty Olaf, and I talk with people who conduct interesting research and do interesting things concerning Alabama history. You can find out more about the Alabama Historical Association, a membership organization devoted to Alabama history, by pointing your browser at our website, www.alabamahistory.net. Jim Baggett is our guest today. He's the winner of the 2020 Milo B. Howard Award for Best Article Published in the Alabama Review in the two-year period 2018 to 2019. This is for his article, A Law-Abiding People, Alabama's 1901 Constitution and the Attempted Lynching of Jim Brown. This was in the July 2018 edition of the Alabama Review. Jim is also head of the archives department at the Birmingham Public Library and the archivist for the city of Birmingham. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me, Marty. I'm a big fan of the show. Thanks, Jim. Tell us about your article, A Law-Abiding People. Well, it looks at the 1901 Constitutional Convention in Alabama and specifically at a provision in the Constitution that I think is probably overlooked a lot that gives the state the authority to impeach a county sheriff if he allows a prisoner to be taken from him and lynched. Of course, you know, this was done in 1901. And what I found is what's happening there is not an effort to save black lives. It's an effort to actually save and preserve and expand white supremacy because the white power structure had come to understand that lynchings were messy. They brought bad press under the state. They brought the attention of the federal government. And also the elite were not big fans of mob violence because, you know, and they say this, that once a mob unleashes itself, you don't know which direction it's going to go. What these white leaders, and these were elected officials, they were community leaders, they were newspaper editors, What they were telling the white population of Alabama essentially is, we got this now. We're taking the vote away from African-American citizens. We're imposing stricter segregation. We have this under control, and we don't need messy mob violence anymore to try and frighten and intimidate black people in Alabama. What I found, and of course, the research was at the same time, that the convention was meeting and debating this in the spring and summer of 1901, there was a case playing out on the ground in St. Clair County, Alabama. An African-American man named Jim Brown was accused of sexual assault, of attacking a young white woman. He fled the state, was brought back. Then on the day of his trial in Asheville, he was, of course, convicted, as you would expect, And there was a mob of several hundred men outside the courthouse who then tried to take him to lynch Jim Brown. And the sheriff and 28 deputies fought off the mob in a pitched gun battle. So you have the Jim Brown case playing out as these same issues are being debated in the Constitutional Convention. And that provision did make it into the Constitution. Do you think that provision would have made it into the Constitution if the Jim Brown lynching wasn't so violent and wasn't going on at the time they were making these debates? I think it would have. The debates actually happened before the violence occurred. 
and they addressed other similar cases in the debates. So this was not an isolated incident and they were aware of this history. So yeah, I mean, I think the Jim Brown case reinforces what it is that they're talking about. I think they would have taken this step either way. Tell us more about Jim Brown. Jim Brown was an African-American man. He was about 26, 27 years old in 1901. He was a native of Spartanburg, South Carolina. His actual name was Wilson. Jim Brown was an alias because he had been convicted of two attempted sexual assaults in South Carolina and sent to prison there. He was sentenced to 10 years and after just about two weeks escaped and fled to Alabama where he was working as a farmhand outside of Springboro, Alabama. So he was arrested, then tried and convicted, and the sheriff was in charge of getting him to his final destination, which I believe was Dallas. Talk about the sheriff. Sheriff North was a young guy and had only recently been elected sheriff. Regardless of what he might have thought about white supremacy or African-American people, he seems to have been dedicated to the law and to his duty. He certainly understood, everyone understood Jim Brown was going to be convicted and was going to be hanged. But Sheriff North insisted that this be done legally. And he took a, he took a lot of heat. They kept Jim Brown in the jail in Birmingham prior to his trial because they were afraid that the Asheville jail wouldn't withstand a mob attack and they were right. Sheriff North brought Jim Brown back to Asheville for the trial and anticipated trouble. So as I said, he had 28 deputized armed men there with him inside the courtroom that day. So he was prepared for what might happen. There was one member of the lynch mob killed in the gunfight. Another was seriously wounded. After that day, Sheriff Brown was receiving death threats from the family and their supporters. And the father of the man who was killed, a guy named Walter Blankenship, actually filed murder charges against Sheriff North. It didn't go very far, but St. Clair County, which is where I grew up, so I can vouch for this, it's kind of a scary place. (laughs) There had been a good bit of violence there during Reconstruction. If Jim Brown had been lynched, it would have been the county's third lynching. It was a rural place, but it was a violent place. Sheriff North paid a price for taking the stand that he did. And this lynch mob attempted to storm the courthouse. Is that correct? That's right. Asheville has a town square with a courthouse and stores facing the courthouse. The lynch mob was around the courthouse on the square, and they charged the courthouse. Their courtroom was on the second floor of the building, so they never got up there to Jim Brown. As their gunfight proceeded and... One man was killed, another wounded, and a little boy was slightly wounded. I guess being good Victorian gentlemen, they had a ceasefire so that the mob could take the wounded away. While they were doing this, a tremendous thunderstorm came up. It was pouring rain, thundering, lightning. So the members of the mob retreated to the stores around the square to wait out the storm. And two of the deputies took this opportunity to sneak Jim Brown out the back window of the courtroom. They jumped down to the roof of the first floor, climbed down, commandeered two mules, because it was about three miles to the nearest train depot. They wanted to get Jim Brown back to Birmingham, where he would be safe. They rode the mules for about a mile, then let them go. 
They were running through the woods. Part of the mob spotted them and was chasing them and firing on them. Jim Brown is handcuffed the whole time. And the three of them run and get to the Southern Rail Lines and flag down a train that stops. They climb into the open coal car and ride back to Birmingham. When they stopped partway, there was a mob waiting for them. The mob searched the caboose of the train, but didn't look in the coal car. However, there were three very fortunate reporters there from Birmingham who did look in the coal car and climbed in and then interviewed Jim Brown and the deputies on the way to Birmingham. So you have this wonderfully detailed account of that trip and what went on there. Jim, talk a little bit about your sources, if you would. Yeah, I found some great material at the Alabama Department of Archives and History. They had in Governor Jelt's papers, the correspondence between him and Sheriff North regarding the death threats and so forth. They also had some records relating to the calling out of the militia and so forth. At the South Carolina Department of Archives and History, I was really fortunate. I never expected this, but I was able to get Jim Brown's prison records from there. Then the Asheville Museum and Archives in St. Clair County had grand jury records, and they had a lot of good genealogical information on these families. And then beyond that, the newspapers of that time, you know how they were. They're wonderfully detailed, and you have to approach them with care. But this case got a tremendous amount of newspaper coverage, not only here, but as far away as Kentucky and Arizona. So there was a tremendous amount of coverage and a tremendous amount of detail there. In just one little newspaper story, I got one of these wonderful bits of detail that you love. And it's that, so when they arrested Jim Brown in South Carolina, Sheriff North went there to take custody of him and bring him back to Birmingham. That was the plan. Well, when they changed trains in Atlanta, and rather than going straight from Atlanta to Birmingham, which would have taken him right through St. Clair County, Sheriff North took Jim Brown to Montgomery changed trains again, and then brought him north up to Birmingham to go around St. Clair County because they were concerned their mob might attack the train as they were coming through. Well, that's just a fabulous story, and you're connecting it to the 1901 constitutional debates is a very interesting take on how a relatively isolated and simple event plays out in a much larger field. Jim, what have we left off? Well, I'm working on another article now that's a follow-up because as I was researching and writing this and looking at this provision that was put into the Constitution allowing a sheriff to be impeached, then the obvious question is, did they ever do it? And as it turns out, they did three times. There were three sheriffs impeached over the next 30 years for allowing prisoners to be taken from them and killed. And so what I'm looking at now is those cases, but also looking at the other lynchings and attempted lynchings that happened during that same time period, because there were other cases, and I don't know the answer to these questions yet, but there were other cases where prisoners were taken from sheriffs and those sheriffs were not impeached. So what I'm trying to get at now is why were these three sheriffs impeached? What were the circumstances? Is there a common set of circumstances or is it peculiar to each case? So I'm still working through that. I was really fortunate. The great Norwood Kerr, before he retired at the State Archives of Montgomery, found for me all of the Supreme Court records on these three impeachments. Just, you know, wonderful material. 
And again, I'm searching newspapers now and finding tremendous amounts of information there. So I'm hoping something will come of that in the next year or so. Well, I certainly hope so. Jim, for the new researchers who might be listening to this, I think one of the most important things that you've brought up is that your current research has led you into extensions of that research that are actually quite a bit different than the original article on Jim Brown in the 1901 Constitutional Convention. Another important point to make for particularly new researchers is that people in the archives can aim you at material and are happy in many cases to rustle up material for you, especially if you give them enough time to do so. When students come to see us in the archives here, one of the first things I always tell them is tell us what you're doing. Don't be shy. Don't be scared because that's why we're here. We're here to help people with their research and help them be successful. And the more we know about what you're trying to do, the more likely it is Sometimes that we just happen to remember something, you know, or that this thing is back there in a box. So that's a very important thing to always remember when you're doing this type of research is work with the staff because they're the experts and they want to help you. And there's so much information inside the memories of the staff that doesn't ever make it out onto paper. They connect those pieces of information and are able to promote your research because they know things, like you said, back in the boxes that no one else necessarily knows about. They're not hidden, but no one has asked the right question yet. Yeah, exactly. Well, Jim, thank you very much for speaking with us today. Congratulations on winning the Milo B. Howard Award for 2020 for your article in the July 2018 Alabama Review, A Law-Abiding People, Alabama's 1901 Constitution, and the Attempted Lynching of Jim Brown. Well, thank you for having me, Marty. I enjoyed this. And my wife is always happy when I find someone else to talk to my research about. So I appreciate that, and so does she. I'm sure she does. Thanks again, Jim. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. This has been another edition of the Alabama Historical Association podcast program. Our music is the traditional tune, Whistle By, performed at city stages in 1996 by James Bryan and Carl Jones. It's provided courtesy of the Alabama Folklife Association, which you can find on the web at alabamafolklife.com. Dot org.